Welcome to Fate's Wide Wheel, a Quantum Leap podcast with Sam and Dennis. We are coming to you from our top secret headquarters at Project Quantum Leap, but you can find us online at fwwquantumleappod.com or follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Fate's Wide Wheel. And please do us a favor by hitting the subscribe button on iTunes. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. We're here today to talk about Pool Hall Blues. Chris Stewart has joined us uh, once again. I heard uh, my title had been stripped away by <laughs> Jess, ah. so I'm back to hire <laughs> her again. Nice, nice. Told y'all she was gonna leg drop the shit out of me. I, well, man, I am glad that you were back. At the very least, you can, uh, you know, you can get yourself up uh, for an elbow drop. Ah, nice. You know, Mom go macho man. Do some WrestleMania five reenactments here. You know. Um, which just had the never mind. Yeah, anyway, well, uh, <laughs> that's a whole other podcast. So yeah, Pool Hall Blues, uh, directed by Joe Napolitano. It's his first of twelve episodes. He would go on to direct the third season premiere episode of The Leap Home. Okay, so, yeah, have to watch out for him. All right, um, uh, both. We'll get to it later, but I think both episodes won awards for cinematography. They did indeed, actually. Uh, and I will. I, I'm going to talk about that in a second too. Uh, the writer Randy Holland. Uh, it's the first of two episodes that he wrote. Uh, Rebel Without a Clue would be his other episode. Apparently, he knew someone, like he had dated someone or, or, or whatever, but he kind of fell in, wanted to write for TV, uh, and, and you know, knew somebody that knew somebody and was able to show them a script. And they're like, yeah, let's do it. And so, the, you know, this was one of his scripts, apparently, that he wrote. And they, they told him he had three weeks to write it, and he's like, no problem. So he wrote this in three weeks, and... You know, this is this is what they they shot. Uh, that is, so he wrote it like he'd already had it like written, he, or like they like he had pitched it, and then apparently he, he had some story ideas. I don't know if this is specifically the story that he had written that he had pitched them. All I know is that they had asked him to have a script in three weeks, and he's like, no problem. So it could be that he did already basically have the script written, and he was just you know ready got to go. It. But yeah, yeah. so okay that. Uh, yeah, that's a tangent we'll come back to later. Uh, anyway, yeah, yeah, let's dive in here. It aired March 14th, 1990. Uh, the leap date is September 4th, 1954. Uh, and our leapy is a Charlie Black Magic Walters. And we're in Chicago, Illinois. This will be the first of two times that Sam leaps into somebody with the nickname of Magic. It is. <laughs> it is. All right. Uh, TV Guide says Sam, Scott Bakula, picks up the cue of a 1950 Chicago pull shark and finds himself committed to a winner-takes-all game that will determine his granddaughter's future. Bum, bum, bum. Our leap in, uh, as we mentioned in our last episode, is, of course, extended as usual and actually tells us the story, whereas last time it was literally just like, he's going to take a shot, here's some money, ah, he's going to make yeah, a yeah, yeah, yeah. This expands on that a little bit. We get introduced to some characters like Grady, for instance, um, mm-hmm. who, by the way, is played by Teddy Wilson, who actually, unfortunately, would die the next year oh. at the uh, young age of 47. Oh, wow. I know. Uh, he'd done a lot of television. He'd been on What's Happening. He'd, you know, and, and I just want to say up front, his performance in this episode is fantastic yes, it is. Mm-hmm. he is great um anyway uh yeah so we also uh hear uh violet singing in the background uh who's played by uh sherry headley who uh most of us probably know from coming to america that's where i know <laughs> uh, okay i could, I could, I could, I could, I could right. not place it for 
anything. Dude. Yeah, man. Thank you so much. Um, but yeah, uh, Sam, Sam's, Sam's got a place in pool here. And in a great sort of uh, sidestepping of having to take the shot, uh, he and Grady end up intimidating the guy who's Poor Lester, yeah. yeah. Like, just intimidating the shit out of him to the oh, point... Oh, some Jedi mind trick shit. <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> to the point where the guy just picks up his buddy and is like, all right, uh, I'll, I'll see you later. And then starts asking him uh, questions. He's like, did you really... Did you, you really... Did you, yeah. How, did you run 240 balls? Uh-huh. 241. Mm-hmm. Um, which is great, because Sam's even kind of playing it up a little bit, too. I love that moment. It's like, when, when Sam is kind of freaking out, like, not sure how he's going to get out of this situation, and then once he realizes to just follow Grady's lead and to intimidate him, like, there's a moment yes. he starts to walk away, and Lester says, $500 says I can still beat you, and, and Sam just takes a moment, turns around, and is like, you you really don't want me to take your money, <laughs> yeah. do you? <laughs> do you yeah. yeah. Uh, it is. It's great. Um, and, and it's just, really, we get a wonderful setup uh, of the relationships right away. It's a very playful episode. Um... Violet kind of storms in, kind of pissed off. They're making all this noise over there when she's trying to sing on stage. Sure, yeah. Um, uh, it's interesting because we don't get immediately established that Charlie's her grandfather. Not yet. She's just calling him Pappy, and like you know. But there's there's clearly a familial relationship between the For two. Sure. Uh, but other than that, yeah, things get kind of set up right away, which is really cool. Um, and yeah. and it's, it's a fun, playful atmosphere, beautifully shot, beautifully lit. Yeah, ended up winning an Emmy for outstanding cinematography. Yeah, this is a beautiful episode. Yeah, yeah it really is. Uh, Mark, I, sorry, sorry to cut you off. I just want to get this out there real quick. Sure. Uh, Michael Watkins was the name uh, of the cinematographer who did the camera work for the episode. So oh, give okay. him a shout out. He's the one that won the Emmy. Okay, so, fantastic. Well deserved. Um, Absolutely. But yeah, we also got a line in here where where Lester asks him like, "Are you really, you know, Black Magic Walters?" And uh, uh, what's his name? Not. Uh, what's the name of the pole shark? Uh, the loan shark. Eddie, yeah. Eddie oh, shouts yeah. out, no, he's Minnesota Fats. <laughs> yeah. Lost 50 pounds with a tan. Uh, and actually, that's... Uh, that's a... Uh, I can never pronounce this word. Anac- an- anacon- uh, anachronism? Yeah, it's an anachronism because the hustler would not come out for another five years. <laughs> but was no- the novel out by this time? No. Uh, okay. According to to Matt's book, first shout out to Matt's book this episode, um, the novel would not be punished, pu- punished, published, <laughs> and I'm just drinking LaCroix today, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, the novel would not be published until 1959. Got it. So Excellent. that th- is a bit of a goof, but it's such a fun line. It is a fun line. Yeah, it is a fun line. Um... And it's interesting, too, because the character of Minnesota Fats within the book really kind of ends up taking on, like, mythological status to the point where there was literally a, a pool shark who adopted the name and would go around saying that he inspired the, 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 the character in the book and everything, which the author would deny. And uh, it, it's, it's actually, yeah, it's, it's kind of fascinating, um, the, the history behind the name. Uh, Rudolph... Wanderone was the one who actually started calling himself that in 1961. Claimed to be the inspiration, and then Walter Tevis denied that. Uh, but the, but he would go on to capitalize on it for years. You know, be on TV. Uh, I think he even like might have published a book or something like that. Yeah, it's fascinating stuff. Uh, we get a lot of name checks of, of a lot of like uh, famous um, pool players, like Willie Moscone, uh-huh. who actually does hold the record for the most consecutive balls run, which is a 526. Um, mm-hmm. And 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 before anybody's like, that's impossible. I mean. Literally, this thing was like documented, verified, like you know, had multiple stamps of approval on. It's like, no, he really did that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
which is which is incredible. Uh, I should just say right up front that uh, my dad uh, is an incredible pool player. has 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 literally run over two hundred balls in a row before. Wow. Like he's and and so I grew up playing pool with him. Um, I'm nowhere near as good as he was, but I played a lot of pool. I know I know a little bit about the game, so it'll be fun to talk about within the Me context too, of the actually. episode. Uh, sure. I got taught by my grandfather, mm. um, who I wouldn't doubt probably witness something like this yeah um but then my fraternity had like a pool table so oh that's awesome the hardest lesson i learned in playing pool it's a game of finesse not power yeah absolutely that was yeah. the hardest lesson i had yeah, yeah it's, I, it is uh, it's a hard lesson to learn yeah. i wasn't taught by anyone but a friend of mine adam uh he had in his basement his parents had a full pool table and so we played a lot of pool yeah, down there, and spent a lot of time trying to recreate the shot that happens later in this. Oh, the, it, the it, finale! It, shot? Yeah, the finale shot. Yeah, uh, my friends—they weren't all that into Quantum Leap. Yeah, but, but this particular episode, just for the pole aspect, they were. They were into totally, yeah. You know, it's interesting. Um, there's a couple of things. Uh, I'll talk a little bit more about this later, but it, within the episode, that uh, you can't help but wonder. Uh, if it was at all influenced by the fact that, you know, the color of money had come out just a couple of years beforehand, uh, um, you know, had, had won Paul Newman, his first Academy award, sure. uh, only Academy award. actually. No, 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 no. Wait, did he, he win? I do believe he won for Cole Han Luke. Maybe not. We'll look it up later. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't think so. Yeah. While I, you're looking yeah. that up, I'll, I'll do an aside. So please for, do. So for a time I, uh, I taught at a massage school cause I'm, uh, a massage therapist in addition to being a, a real estate agent. And uh, one time during lunch, I, uh, I was talking to one of the students. He's like an 18-year-old kid. And I can't remember how it came up, but I, I made some reference to the movie Cool Hand Luke. And it obviously went over his head. And I'm like, all right, you need to look this up. 1968 movie, Cool Hand Luke. Every man needs to see this movie. And, uh, and somewhere in there I said, yeah, look it up. Uh, cool Hand Luke starring Paul Newman. Everybody needs to see this movie. And he goes, Paul Newman? Oh, the salad dressing guy, the salad dressing guy. And I'm like, <sighs> and make, he's just 18 years old. It makes sense. And I was just like, yes, before he was the salad dressing guy, he was actually an Oscar winning actor. And he, <laughs> and he takes us in and he goes, this is with no irony whatsoever. He goes, huh? I guess you got to start somewhere. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> So the, 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 he did not win for Cool Hand Luke. He'd been, he was nominated, get this, he was nominated ten times. Okay. He's one of only four or five actors. He won for Cars. No. <laughs> he's one of only four or five actors who's been nominated in more, like, he's been nominated in four decades. He's nominated in the 50s, 60s, uh, 80s, 90s, and in 2000. So five decades, actually, All right. he, was, he was nominated in. Because um, he was nominated for Kite on a Hot Tin Roof, The Hustler, HUD, Cool Hand Luke, Rachel Rachel, Absence of Malice, The Verdict, Color of Money, Nobody's Fool, and Road to Perdition. Um, so the, the, the funny thing is that uh, The Hustler, obviously, which Minnesota Fats is from, the sequel to that, pseudo-sequel, if you will, was Color of Money, which is directed sure. by Martin Scorsese, mm-hmm. stars a young Tom Cruise, uh, and... and Paul Newman reprises his role as Fast Eddie Felsen from the the first movie. It's it's I mean they're both really great. Uh, a lot of people have argued over the years that he won the Academy Award for Color of Money sort of as a as a career capstone, or he won it for his performance in The Hustler. The Oscars tend to do that a lot. Yeah, they do. 
I would still argue that the finest performance he ever gave uh, was in The Verdict, um, which mm. is an incredible film with a David Mamet script. He's in, he's he. It's it's just it is the best Paul Newman performance I've ever seen. Um, and uh, if ever he should have won one, it should have been for that, not for The Hustler. But I digress. Uh, anyway, back to Pull Hall Blues. Yes, yes. Um, so Sam is yeah. Uh, he's Charlie Black Magic. Walters, um, where are we? What just happened? Just so, uh, at this point, uh, Lester has been run off. We've been introduced to Eddie. We've been introduced to Violet. Um, uh, at this point, we get it established early on in the scene that that Violet owes Eddie money because Eddie is a loan shark who actually funded the start of uh, her nightclub up until about a month ago, I think, this had been uh, a pole hall, and she is turning into a nightclub. Yeah. yeah, turning into a blues club. Uh, Eddie's is, is giving her some money. The marker is due in just a couple coming of days. due. Yeah, she does not. She does not have the money to pay him back. Um, He's also trying it, to goad. Uh, Charlie into a game. Yes. So uh, uh, note that that's what he actually tries to do. That I think before he even brings up the marker. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, so the stakes are set pretty on that 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 Eddie is interested in playing Charlie for as a bet. Yeah. As a bet for the marker. Yeah, and we also get uh, Al Al's appearance shortly thereafter. Sure. Uh, Al, because Al knows everything. Uh, actually knew Charlie Walters, Mm -hmm. um, learned how to play pool with Charlie. He got to hold Alberta, which is Charlie's cue, which I think is hilarious that Charlie's cue is named Alberta. So that Sam can just say, yeah, yeah, nobody's going to think twice. Um, Sam, you know, he go to the men's room to discuss all this. There's a funny line uh, that kind of plays with the the trope. We always go to the men's room. room. Do you have a better suggestion? How about the ladies' room? Yeah. <laughs> Damn it, Al. <laughs> Actually, like, what, like uh, this is like an episode that I've, I've, I've watched several times. This is one of my favorite episodes, but rewatching yeah. the episode for this, it's like, I don't, it's like, to me, there is nothing appealing about sneaking in and playing a peeping Tom in a women's restroom. Yeah. I, I don't get it. It's incredibly juvenile. I mean, juvenile, yeah. Like, I feel like there's a certain age where there's something about it that that maybe, you know, when you're, like, ten years old or younger about sneaking into, like, the girl's bathroom that maybe there's some sort of mystery that it holds or whatever. But it is very juvenile. It kind of reminds me, though, of that episode of The Office where uh, Michael takes all of the women out to lunch Mm -hmm. and while they're away, uh, like... Uh, Kevin wants to get, like he's he's outside of the restrooms and he looks at Jim and he's like haven't you ever wanted to go and see what it looks like in there and Jim's just like no no not really and so Kevin goes in mm-hmm. and while he's in there he's like oh my god and like Jim follows him in and it's it, it is there's a couch in there there's magazines there's oh like, yeah you know what I mean like it's, 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 <coughs> it's they're not there they're not there at all so it's a little bit different than Al's sure. creepy kind of like yeah but this is the second time room. in the series where Al has made a reference and going to peek in the yeah in the women's restroom and adjust. Yeah. No. But anyway, so let's get in the restroom. Uh, get in the restroom, we get the first mirror shot right? of the episode. Go ahead. Which, that mirror shot is a Robert or Rags Woods. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it's great because apparently he is the real-life 
Charlie Magic Walters. He's he was an actual pool player uh, that that was the character was based on, uh, and so they brought him in to play the mirror image. Mm-hmm. And he has no other IMDb credits or anything. This is the only thing he's ever done. Like, yeah, that is that is awesome. So this is like a moment. So like he's looking he's looking in the mirror and. Uh, and Al says, you're, you're Charlie Black Magic Walters, like famous pool player, whatever. And Sam says the line, I'd never heard of him. And obviously, Black Magic is an older man. And it almost sounds like Scott Bakula is saying the line, I've never heard of him, in almost an old man voice. Yeah, it happens a couple of times in this episode, actually. Yeah, it's, yeah. Yeah, it's, I've never heard of him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's just weird. It was I, weird. I'm glad that, yeah. No, I was, you're not the I, one. It, it happened, I think it actually happens like twice in the episode. I, I wasn't the only one. Because once later on, on it happens too, I think. Yeah. So it's important to note that Al makes the comment that when he walked into the waiting room, he couldn't believe his eyes because he saw yeah. black magic. The last time we had an episode where we talked about who Al sees, it was very clear that Al sees Sam as the person that he leaped into, and in the waiting room he sees... He sees the person that Sam leaked into yes. as as uh, as Sam. That was back in What Price Gloria, where of course Al spends the entire episode Ogling. losing his mind because Sam has leaped into a beautiful woman. Have you watched that one particular episode, no. Chris? Okay. Uh, so this episode, the rules have obviously changed. Have you heard the fan theory behind this? Uh, Go ahead. So the fan theory that exists behind this is because of Al's struggles that he had in What Price Gloria, that when he went back, that they decided to retune the brainwaves so that now Al does see Sam, and Al sees the person that Sam has leapt into in the waiting room. I don't think it's just a fan theory. I think this is in one of the novels. They oh, is it? Okay. They, they, okay. Ex- they explain this away. I mean, to be fair, you could still call it a fan theory. It's not like the novels were, you know. But hey. yeah, <laughs> sure, fair enough. Yeah. We're going to talk about those novels one of these days. Yes. <laughs> anyway. Uh, but anyway, so this is where we, yeah, uh, we talk about like, yeah, Al had ran away from the orphanage. Mm-hmm. Black Magic took him in, taught him how to play pool. He even got to hold Alberta. Um, and I think this is where we. He, even, Go ahead. Oh, I was say, he, he said that he traveled with him all the way until New Orleans when he got, uh, he, they wouldn't allow him to play in a whites-only pool That's hall. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, and Al wound up back in the orphanage. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, yeah, it, he's, he's very, it's interesting, it personalizes the story in a neat little way that we haven't really seen from Al's point of view yeah. since maybe Jimmy. And obviously in Jimmy, it's, it's, it's more emotional, uh, but it's still kind of nice to have Al be invested in the leap in a way. Sure. And it's also interesting because I think in a weird, probably not planned way, it's foreshadowing of the season finale. Sure. So. Um, and I think I mean, it's like you only have like 44 minutes of television. Yeah. It would have been interesting to get like more, like more stories from Al, like just like interactions mm-hmm. that he's having with with black magic in the waiting room. Like, does he, Yeah, you know, what, what are those interactions like? It happens so few times that we get to see Al in the waiting room with the other person. Absolutely. I mean, it, it will happen. Luckily, uh, eventually. But, yeah. But, yeah. I mean, not even, not even like actually like seeing it, but just like here, you know, having Al come in and like talk about conversations. Oh, I was talking with, yeah. Yeah. Just yeah. like, the, like conversations that he's having with black magic and does, does black, black magic realize who he, who he is. And right. Cause unfortunately this is really the only time that it gets, we don't hear anything else about it for the rest of the episode. No, that's it. This yeah. Is the, this is it. That's yeah. really a shame. It is going back to the story of him running with black magic you almost know that he was part of the setup and hustling people. Right? Mm-hmm. So, like, he was part... 
And one of the things that really tugged at my heart was when he was telling Sam about this, and Sam was like, "Is that why you went to the uh, went back to the orphanage?" And I was like, "Yeah, but it wasn't his fault." Yeah, yeah. That really tugged at because you just knew he really, really loved this guy, and he he was part of the crew. Right. Like he was a kid that was part of the crew. Absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. And yeah, you know it's, it. It helps you create a wonderful picture in your mind, you know, of, sure. of, of seeing young Al, you know, going around with Charlie and, and going into these pool halls. And yeah. Just, you know, it's like, I can just see it mm-hmm. in my head. I can smell it. You I know what I mean? Yeah. I just kind of wish like, like they had done more with it. I'm just thinking of like now of like uh, of, a, of a trick that magic had done that Al remembered, mm-hmm. like in the crux of the episode like Al bringing that back around yeah. and just saying like, oh, there was this time that Magic did this. Right. Or said this or something. Or yeah, or, or, or Sam, your, yeah, he kind of does it with the bri- with, with Sam's bridge, which is which is nice in the stroke. Yeah. Wh- you know, which is great because A, the bridge that Sam is using beforehand is, anytime I see pool players use that bridge, it always pisses me off because I'm just like, you're not holding it right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Um... <laughs> So the indignation. I just, I just hate it. I've seen guys do that, and I'm just like, "What the fuck are you doing, man? Hold the goddamn thing! Don't just like stick it in your thumb. Like, what the hell? Um, you know, you wrap your finger around it, and 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 it's great because he does. You know, he does give him a little direction there, and talks about how magic had a smooth stroke. But but you're right. For the most part, there is no. There it doesn't is, come back. Yeah. 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 Uh, so anyway, so we we get in the scene that. Uh, that magic has to play Eddie a game of pull mm-hmm. to get this marker back, but the problem is, is that magic's eyesight is gone, uh, and then uh, then he gets the epiphany like, oh, but but your eyesight is twenty twenty, and I yeah. love Sam's lines like, yes, but I couldn't shoot pull with a shotgun. Yeah, <laughs> it was ironic because you could shoot pull. <laughs> you, you could, and you you get people's attention. That's right. Game. Yeah, you would. You would get people's attention, and I'm pretty sure you would win that game. Yeah, really quickly. And also calls back. There's there's the line where uh, in the episode where Sam leaps into the the, the piano player, where he, he makes a comment that he couldn't play chopsticks in Chinatown, and it's kind of a a similar setup yeah. there. Uh, also, it's pointed out, and this is not the first time it's happened in the series, like, Sam is wearing Magic's glasses. Yes. Sam is there. Right. How does that work? Right. That is a good question. And wouldn't he... Wouldn't Gotta it hurt his, eyes. his eyesight? Yeah. 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 I was kind of thinking that. Unless he's just constantly, like, looking over the... Or, or looking over... I mean, it was like, it would have been funny to do the visual gag, but then again, like, for the casual viewer, it would have been really confusing. Yeah. To, uh, it would have been really confusing to suss that out. I'm well, reminded... Uh, go ahead. I think it would have played more into the character's eyesight being lost if he would have constantly been fiddling with his eyes. Yeah, yeah like, like... And he, yeah. you know, to, the, he, not for those purposes, but if we want to just create it in our head, he does actually play with the glasses quite a bit over the course of the episode. Mm-hmm. Taking them off, wiping them down, moving them around. You know, sure. he, he is playing with them, but I don't think that that's why necessarily. Not playing with them, yeah. I mean, with, with Scott Bakula, maybe he knows. I don't, I don't know. Uh, it's interesting, though, because uh, in some of the novels, uh, one particular author, Ashley McConnell, um... She made it a point. She didn't care. The novels were not considered canon. Uh, she just decided that for her novels, it's not Sam's body that sleeps, but it, it's his mind yeah. that, that leaps. Which I think on the page, 
I can understand on the screen why they had it. Sam's body leaps. I think on the page, Sam's mind leaping makes more sense because you can yeah. you can do more things with it. Yeah. And, and in one of the novels, like there's there's uh, there's a segment where where Sam is just kind of thinking to himself, like like brushing your teeth in someone else's body, and like it talks about like when he had started leaping, it was like, am I am I getting germs from this guy, or does it matter because I am in this guy's body, yeah, or whatever? It was just like this cute line of like Sam having decided that at some point that that any germs that might infect him would just get confused themselves and die. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, it, well, in the in the novel, the the actual one that's just titled the novel. Um, yeah, overseas it's called carny knowledge. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the, the he leaps into someone who has a disability, and he has yeah. to deal with said disability. Yeah, uh, and it is kind of interesting um, within that because he leaps into people with disabilities within the TV show, and he doesn't have to deal with that yeah. disability. His thing um, is like pretending to have the disability. Yeah, yeah. I always, you know, it's weird because I always kind of, I think I always kind of liked it a little bit more within the context of like with the novel set up. Like it would have been interesting, you know, thinking of, uh, of, um, uh, nowhere to run, you know, for instance, like sure. he didn't have legs, you know, only yeah. Sam can stand up. So it's, I don't know. It, 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 it's, it's kind of fascinating, um, to, to think about. I, I, again, I agree with you. I think it plays better on screen for it not to be the case. Um, and, and it plays better on the page for that to be the case. You can explore some interesting things. Yeah. Um, well, I, I don't even mind that it's inconsistent. Like I'm like, eh, whatever, fine. For for sure. I mean, I feel like more, and we kind of touched on this with uh, with last week's episode. I feel like more and more like I have to take just each episode for what it is. Like, right. Like some episodes, Sam is this way. Some episodes, Al is this way, and it's just like its own self-contained. It kind of reminds me. Uh, uh, did you guys want Louis? The, the TV series on on FX. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, the, the the first couple of seasons, uh, Louis C.K. went out of his way to have no consistency yeah. between the episodes. It was set up. He's a stand-up comic. He has two daughters. I think early on in the series, the actors playing the daughters changed. <laughs> but he he just very famous. Like like he he didn't care about consistency between episodes. He, like he was just interested in telling one story per episode and whatever he needed to do. To, to, to justify the events of that episode, yeah. he would do. Yeah. Like in one episode, his mother is a very uh, warm and loving woman. Uh, in another episode, his mother is played by a completely different actress, and she is a cold and bitter woman who has just discovered she's a lesbian. Damn. Well, all right. And, yeah, the first couple seasons, he didn't care about consistency at all, and he doesn't have to care about <laughs> yeah. any of that anymore. Um... May his career rest in peace. You know, the, the, or not. The uh, the thing is that uh, I think it's made it even more fun when we do pick up those bits of continuity and consistency through the episodes, which is why I think we highlight them um, because it just wasn't necessarily a hallmark of of a lot of television back then. then. No, yeah, um, and that's not to say that you know there weren't other television programs you know airing around the time or even many years beforehand that didn't try to keep that consistency or continuity up, but it wasn't necessarily a primary goal. Whereas nowadays I feel like it's, it's almost the, the biggest concern of a writer and a, you know, production team. Oh, for sure. It's like, it's like, yeah, we, don't, yeah. we don't give a shit about telling a good story anymore. We just want to make sure it all makes sense, you know? Yes. Um, yeah. uh, which in most of the time lends itself to being a good story. Anyway. Um, yeah. So, so Sam can't play pool. Uh, and he immediately thinks that they're going to find another way mm-hmm. to take care of the marker. Mm-hmm. 
and you know one of his thoughts is that they'll apply for a loan. Yeah. So the, yeah, the we're at the the next morning. Uh, Violet is replacing the lamp above uh, above some mag- Magic's pool table. Uh, Grady comes in. He he takes great umbrage. Yeah. To this, I love the character of of Grady. Yeah. 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 I know. And right. te- like I said, Teddy Wilson is so great. So sad that he passed away. The funny thing is, not funny thing is, but I mean, the interesting thing is he would actually go on to play another role in the show before he died. Yeah. Uh, it was right before he died. Um, I think, because uh, 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 the episode was uh, Rebel Without a Clue, actually. Um, <sighs> yeah, yeah. That's, oh, yeah. His role in that episode is so heartbreaking. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. One more thing you guys forgot, the stock footage of the old Chicago L trains. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, how many of you guys have rode the L trains that looked like that before? I don't think so. No, I mean, I, you know, I've, only, I've only been here for, you know, five years. I've never been here for either. I've only seen them in stock footage or like, oh, and do you guys have any idea where that was? Because it's definitely Chicago. We you know, I couldn't. Uh, yeah, I, to the point, like we were talking before we before we started recording earlier in the day. Like, I, I went from thinking, being sure that this episode took place in Chicago, and like seeing that train footage, and thinking, like, oh no, this has to be in New York City, and just like the elevated train threw me off. Um, but no, I have no idea where they were supposed to be at. Yeah, I, no, I couldn't figure it out either. Honestly, I, I, I it. The, I guess the thing for me is that it didn't not say Chicago, so I wasn't immediately like, oh, clearly this isn't Chicago. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Sure. Um, so it didn't bother me. Uh, but yeah, trying to pinpoint where or when that actually was, couldn't do it. No way. Yeah. No clue. I I just assume, yeah, because there there are shots of the L, um, especially in this area, like Chicago, I think, was so known for its pool scene. Uh, there's also... Uh, uh, a pretty popular episode of The Twilight Zone uh, that revolves around a pool hall on Randolph Street in yep. Chicago. A game yeah. of pool. Uh, a game of pool with uh, Jonathan Winters and Jack, Jack Klugman, Klugman, which yeah. is one of my favorite episodes yeah, of, it's a great episode. of that series. But anyway, so that's to say, no. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think like the oldest style L car I've ever ridden on is the Blue Line has like the oldest one still. Oh, the still ones these, that have like, the, like the weird accordion doors. Yeah. Mm. The only other time, not the only other time, the only other time I can remember offhand seeing that green L train was in the series Good Times. Ah, uh, okay. It's the only other time I remember seeing that. And that's why I, that's what made me put my step that this was Chicago because mm-hmm. Good Times also took place in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, uh, we should mention that Teddy Wilson actually was in Good Times. Get out. No, he was, Bring man. in full circle. How about that? Yeah. Was yeah. he a recurring character? He was a recurring character. He played Sweet Daddy Williams. Ah. Um, he was in all four episodes of Florida's Homecoming, which is a four-parter. And, yeah. Uh, so he was mostly in towards the tail end of the show in 78 and 79. Got yeah, it. He had, he had like a seven-episode run. Okay. I remember before like, that he'd been in What's Happening. Yeah, um, wow. I remember yeah watching Good Times when I was a kid, and just like uh, the weirdness to me of them having killed a character off because mm. the the dad was yeah. killed off after the first season, and then learning why they killed the dad off. Uh, as I think John Amos, he he wanted a raise, or there was some conflict on the show with the producers, and they were just like, "Yeah, we don't need you. 
Oh, uh, man. I think by that point they were realizing that the show was going to revolve more around... Uh, no, actually, I, I think part of the thing is... Uh, part of the conflict might have been is that John Amos thought that they were going to be doing like a... Uh, a very different kind of show that was a comedy, but based set a little bit more in reality. And then when... Uh, JJ's character started taking off. The show started going that way, and then they, yeah, they're like, "Yeah, we don't need you. We're going to kill you off in a car wreck." Which, just to continue doing Six Degrees here, we might as well mention that you know uh, Amos also ended up being in Coming to America and That's played right. uh, Violet, the, the Sherry, the woman who plays uh, Violet's father. That's it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, uh, to 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 bring it right back around to seventies television, he starred in a very short-lived spinoff of All in the Family, where the idea was now he was the patriarch of a family living in Archie Bunker's old house. Nice. And basically it was... Uh, it was 704 it, it, Hauser. 704 Hauser, that was it. It was like, uh, it was kind of a, a race reversal yeah. of All in the Family, but centering it around a, a black family in the same house as Archie Bunker. How about that? Anyway, but we're talking about Quantum Leap and Pull Hall Blues. We went all <laughs> around the world, man. We did. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. I, you know, I can't, um, I can't be mad at that. So, so, so in the scene, uh, yeah, Grady takes umbrage at, uh, Replacing at, at, the, at the light being replaced because yeah. he's very, you know, set in, in, in tradition and, uh, and all of that. They're lamenting what they're going to do about the marker. And Sam, naive Sam. Is you're like, yeah, let, yeah, let's just go get along. Which, of course, Violet immediately points out we've tried that before. Yeah, you know, and he's like, he's like, it's okay, it'll work this time. Uh, you know, as a black man in America, even today, when she was like, let's go get along, I was like, Ooh, no, <laughs> it's not really gonna do that, are we? Oh man. Well, and you know, I, I, I think that so this episode. Uh, as we've actually mentioned, I think before, I think we talked about it maybe a little bit during All Americans. Um, for the most part, with the exception of when we get to the bank, the only white actors in the episode are Same. Scott Bakula and Dean Stockwell. Yeah. Um, and even once we get to the bank, the loan officer that they see is a black man. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's yeah, it's not an episode about racism. No, but it's also not an episode. That's going to lie to you and okay. say that in 1954 in America, you know, in Chicago, sure. it was, you know, you were going to get the same shake as a white man, you know? Yeah. Uh, and yeah. this is and this is the way that it does that, which is nice because it helps to tell the story and sets the tone and the atmosphere. But it doesn't, again, it's not a, it doesn't make it about that, mm-hmm. which makes it in some ways, a, you know, a really powerful moment when they have the, the confrontation with the loan officer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, the, and where the loan officer's coming from, too. And the way that Sam... Gives it back to him. Yeah, Sam so, is absolutely right. Yeah. yeah. So so yeah. So get, to get in that scene, yeah, they they go in. What the the detail I love in this scene that I've never caught before is that Sam's suit is wrinkled. Mm. And so from that, I just got the story that this is a suit that Magic has not worn in years. Yeah. It was just crumpled up somewhere in a closet. But they're going to the bank. They got to have something. And it's just like that detail of the suit being so wrinkled. I love that. Yeah. I do like that they go in and um, there's not a guest, but the receptionist lady is really rude. Yeah. Well, not rude. She's mostly like, nobody here can is... Not that nobody can help you. Yeah. 
But the thing and is, then like, they turn around and nobody's doing nothing. Well, I love like yeah, all of our loan officers are busy, and then Sam turns around, like yeah, they they all like kind of look busy. Check it, yeah, check it, yeah, yeah. Take another, take another. Look. And the thing is, like she. She is is throwing them shade like from the moment that they walk in, and that jumps out at me because like rewatching this scene, not just this scene, but in the scene that's following when they're out on the street, it's all black people. Yes. Yeah. So obviously, like she's acting like, what are two black people doing walking into my bank? When it's apparent, like the one extra in that scene, aside from the loan officer sitting at the desk, yeah. they show one woman walking out behind them at one point. She's black. Everybody else out on the street is black. And it was just like, you're obviously in a neighborhood where there's a lot of black people. Yeah. Why Why are you just, like, thrown off that, just by the fact that two black people are walking into your bank? Yeah. I don't know. She's a racist piece of shit. <laughs> but she... Calling that how we see it. And... And Sam brings it around. <laughs> uh, so yeah, they end up talking to Charles Griffin. I think is his name. Yep, sure yeah, because they kind of have a cut where they 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 close in on his uh, on his desk plate. Yeah, yeah. and 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 you know it, it, the moment is is played so well by all three actors, uh, and I, I really feel like it, that you know Robert Gossett, who plays Charles Griffin, deserves a bit of a shout out because he, yeah, I don't know, he he just does. He does something um, really well with everything that he does in, in leading up to his, you know him kind of breaking the wall between the three of them and saying, "You have no idea what I have suffered through in this job." Yeah. You know, he drops an in bomb and, and everything. You know, like, yeah. and 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 it's like you can tell that he's trying to use this to justify what he's about to do hoping that they'll sympathize with him yeah you know and then he leans back you know a detail that i that i uh i either forgot about or i never noticed before cuz there's at one point they're they're pleading with him and it looks like maybe for a second he might give in yeah and over and over uh sam and violet's shoulder the the one the one white guy yep. He's he's staring uh, Charles down. Oh, I missed that. And they make eye contact, and that and that's when it shifts back. Like, no, this yeah. this loan is not. And he says it loudly too. He doesn't yeah. because he, cause he's, cause I they, love that shift where he leans up. forward. And he says that, and then yeah. like he momentarily he just changes character and just leans back and says it loudly. Yeah, and it's like because he does he, lean, he leans forward and he's like, you have no idea what I've been through. Blah, blah, blah. And then he leans back and he's like, I can't accept your loan, you know. Yeah. And then Sam, as they get up and everything. Uh, you know, Sam has that moment where he's just, he looks at him and he says, you know, you, you're the first one here, and that, if anything, that, that means something. Yeah, yeah. You, you have to try harder for the other people. Yeah, uh, yeah. And it's, and it, it's a, you know, it is, it's a great, it's a great moment. And I think that it's one of those moments that is even more interesting when you think about it in what Charles is seeing. Like said, Charles those moments, looking, like I wish they would have had that actor. Yeah, yeah. Because Charles is looking at this elderly black man standing in front of him, and it's almost like, and it's almost like, and Sam, of course, wouldn't think this because Sam isn't black, and Sam is not Charles. But you could almost imagine that Magic would have looked at him after he gave his little spiel about you have no idea what I've been through, and Magic would have been able to be like. Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> like, do you have any idea what I've been through? Like, yeah. And so, and so for again, for the loan officer to see Magic standing there saying that, yeah. to him, not Sam, 
like had to have been a powerful moment, you know, in, yeah. when you look at it in a different way. And a lot of people that get ahead have that kind of moment where they think of it as an obstacle course like Ninja Warrior, that wall in Ninja Warrior, right? Mm-hmm. You get up that wall, you're happy, yay, I get to go on to the next obstacle. But you see one of your teammates having trouble getting up. Are you going to go to that next obstacle? Or are you going to turn around and get that dude a hand? Yeah. So that you both can go to the next obstacle. And that's the debate that uh, loan officer was having. He wanted to go to the next obstacle. Man, that's great. That's, that's a, I love that analogy, and I think you're absolutely right. I, I think that it's so easy in the world in which we live to want to get onto that next obstacle to try to win the prize. Mm-hmm. But I think that it's always going to be more noble to look back and grab hold of somebody's hand. And I think what happened yesterday on March 24th, 2018 is a perfect example of that because you had hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people out there sitting saying, "We're, we're climbing up this wall. And you had hundreds of thousands of people standing in their ivory towers saying, I'm not going to give you a hand. Instead, wanting to look at those kids and say, oh, you're just being financed by a bunch of, you know, gun-hating rich people and, and Hollywood elite people. And it's like, yeah, you know what, NRA, that's cool, because all you are is you're financed by a bunch of gun-loving billionaires and a bunch of right-wing fucking nuts and elites. So, go fuck yourself. And yeah. just making- We're not a political show. No. But go fuck yourself. They're <laughs> <laughs> making these guys look awful, because at the end yeah. of the day, they're just like, I just don't want to get shot. Yeah, how about that shit? Let's let's focus. Fuck mental health. Fuck gun control. How about I not get shot while I try to read this book? Well, it's like it's like that. Did you see the kid who was holding the the poster board that said, uh, um, "When I said I'd rather die than go to math class, I wasn't being serious." Yes, that is outstanding. You know, and it's and it's 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 a, it's a moment, and it deserves to be captured and given mm-hmm. its full appreciation. It's a moment. It's 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 a times they are a changing moment. You know, yeah. I mean, you look at the lyrics of that song, and I swear to you, they apply right now. If you can't lend a hand, get out of the way. You know, it, it, it's 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 a perfect summation of a lot of what's happening right now. And and I appreciate so much what you just said, Chris, because I agree. It's it's yeah. and it's difficult. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to say. That the position that the loan officer is in wasn't difficult. No, it was totally difficult. Right, but like you said, and that's why the analogy of the obstacle course works so well. Is it's like, it's it's always going to be difficult. Mm-hmm. You just get to make the choice. Are you going to help somebody else, or are you just going to look out for yourself? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And by the way, the kung fu in these kids is really fucking strong. <laughs> <laughs> Holy uh, shit, they're yeah, not backing man. down and they're not afraid no. at all. It's mm. it's lovely. It, it is really lovely. It is really, really lovely. I, uh, Jess and I talked about going uh, yesterday and, and joining the march here in Chicago. And, you know, she's six months pregnant, and so we just were sort of like, you know what? They got this. They, totally <laughs> they, yep. they, they, they got this. Yeah. Uh, so, when, when Betsy and I were pregnant, yeah, we had the same. We had the same. Uh, well, well, no, not even then, because like protests hadn't started. Because six months pregnant, we yeah. worked in the situation we were now. But like yeah. right after our son was born, you know, it's like like we were protest. Yeah, yeah, right. Like we went yesterday, but even like our son being uh, thirteen months now, like he did really good. Yeah. Uh, 
but like we just went to the rally part. We didn't actually do the march yeah. part. Like we, you know, the rally. Like we got to the point. Like okay, they're going to be wrapping up. Then everybody's going to be walking. Yeah, let's get out of here. Yeah, let's, yeah. Right, right, right. Let's get, let, yeah, let's get out of here now so that we don't have a hard situation with our son yeah. later on. But yeah, it's. Don't worry, other people got it. Right, right, now. right. right yeah, what exactly. I'm saying. You, you take care of making a human. Yeah. Uh, and other people are going to take care of making sure the world is safe. Safe human. Like, it was like it was it was a sad moment yesterday. Uh, you know, because he was playing and our, our son was, was being all cute and he wanted to be down. He's you know dancing around and everything. And uh, an older couple walked by, uh, and, and a man like you know he you know he admired our son and played with our son for a little bit. And he made a comment that he wanted to bring his grandson to this, but his grandson wasn't feeling up to it. And I almost blurted it. I was like, it's okay. There's always the next one. Oh, God. And I was like, oh, God, that's a sad, that's a sad truth. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, the momentum, the momentum has started, though, so it's, yeah, it's, it's good to see. It's good to see. And, and, and again, I, I, you know, obviously we've taken a tangent and, and, uh, as yeah. far as I'm concerned, the you know the the chief editor of the podcast. Yeah, uh, I'm leaving it all in. Uh, you know, once it passes by Dennis, he might sure. No, no, yeah, yeah, we're, we're gonna leave it in. But, <laughs> but uh, uh, bring it back around to quantum leap. Yeah, what it, it's we we talked about this a lot during uh, the color of truth episode. Is like when Sam says his parting thing to the loan officer. Mm-hmm. The question of is like because like some moments we get some narration from Sam, and so we know exactly what he's thinking. Yeah, this is not one of those moments. No. So, it's a thing of, like, it's open to interpretation of how much is Sam aware of, like, of like the weight of, like, I am talking to you, but I know you see me as magic talking to you. What effect does that have on you, as opposed to me, Sam Beckett, a white man telling you this, but yeah. an elderly black man telling you this? Yeah, you know, that's such an interesting thing to think about because I do feel like there are like you said there are times in the context of the show when we do get a hint of Sam realizing you know that they might be his thoughts and words but they're he's being represented by somebody else's face yeah Um, and I don't know about this particular moment I don't yeah I, I, I would think I would think because he's he's got to be aware enough I would think that he would probably, and because of the way that he says it, yeah, you know what I mean. No, say, he is almost taking on the identity in that particular moment. He's not. He's not necessarily saying it as a white man. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. he is saying it. I, I, hopefully, this doesn't sound offensive, but he's saying it as though he were the black man. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, because I was like, I had this moment in my head rewatching the episode, and I was wondering how I was going to interpret it. But yeah, yeah. watching it, I was like, like no, like Sam is fully aware that that he is. Speaking as a black man, like, yeah. the, like of what of what's happening. Here's something else I've thought about. Um, do you guys think that the uh, loan officer knew who Magic was? That's a great question. Uh, if he's supposed to be, I feel like, and you know, I could be wrong, but I feel like the type of celebrity, you know, or legend urban myth even that, that that magic it was it's in a very specific hyper specific yeah arena. yeah circle. so here's something interesting what's the likelihood that he went home and told his like folks about this incident and maybe his father or his grandfather was like do you know who that is boy 
if you don't take your ass back to that thing and give him that fucking love, you know, you hell to pay. Yeah, I, I, I would wonder. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't think that that would not be the scenario. But I think my question would be: Is would he tell anybody? You know what I mean? Oh, would he yeah. feel like, or would he walk? Would he go home that night feeling ashamed that he didn't help him? You know? Yeah. I don't know. But I think you're I right. Like I think the, I yeah. could see a scenario where, yeah, if he told, if he did tell, like his dad or somebody, they, they would be like, "Are yeah. you out of your mind?" Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, I mean, but I mean, there's also the the thing to think about. Like he was just the first hurdle, right? Like he had to take the loan. I think to the loan committee or yeah, to the loan to further up the ladder to get it approved. And like, it's very likely he would have put his own neck on the line, and nothing would have come of it. Yeah. Yeah. But at least he would have done something. Yeah, no, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. right. But, I agree. Yeah. Um, so, so when once they leave, uh, there's this great scene between uh, Violet and Sam, um, where Violet basically we are on a sound stage, well, back lot street. Yeah. Yes, we are. Um, uh, I'll give you a pass. Like being uh, being a Chicago resident now for close to the last twelve years, it bugs the crap out of me. When we see something that takes place in Chicago, and it's obviously like they shot the establishing shots in Chicago, but oh, everything yeah. else is not in Chicago. That's that's. I mean, our lo- I mean, they they are what they what they are. They're not the greatest bits of television, but all of the Chicago series right now, Chicago Fire, Med, yeah, uh, PD. The thing I do love about them is that they are actually entirely shot. Yeah. In Chicago, let's give a quick shout out to the Shy as well, which is on Showtime, which uh, actually ah, stars my very, very good friend and mentor, David Allen Anderson. Um, he, uh, he he's in more so in the last half of the season than he is in the first half of the season. Yeah. Um, Do they shoot uh, that in sh- entirely? Yeah, entirely in Chicago. Shot in Chicago yeah. That's because I know like, and it has been picked up for a second season. Yeah. yeah. What is that? Showtime. Showtime. Yeah. That's yeah. That's yeah. That, that's, no, that's I understand. Awesome. It's a, it, yeah. it's like, and I know uh, Shameless is another one. Like they yep. they shoot mm-hmm. some establishing. They shoot some things in in Chicago, but well, the fascinating thing is, is Glow is shot in Chicago, but it does take place in Chicago. I think the same with Empire. Not all of Glow, but yeah, but yeah. but 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 a lot of Glow, a lot of Glow yeah. is shot here you in know Chicago. What's the best game to play while watching Glow. What's that? Spot the actual professional wrestler. Oh yeah, I know, right? <laughs> mm, there's a lot of them in there. There are, there are. Yeah. And then, oh, the most egregious uh, point of shooting somewhere and then saying it somewhere else takes place in Rumble in the Bronx. The Jackie Chan movie, right? It doesn't. It's supposed to take place in New York City. Sure. They shot it in Toronto. Oh yeah. There's a lot. Yeah. There's a mountain in Toronto. Oh my god. So in a lot of shots, you see, like, there's a shot where a truck goes over a parking lot, and in the background, mountains. Now, how many mountains are in New York? In New York City, yeah, yeah, zero. Yeah, it's like Ferris Bueller's Day Off, where they when they shoot the the shot, which is shot here, but there's the shot of um, they're driving Cameron's father's car, the two attendants at the sure, and yeah. they're driving down that road, and there is no road anywhere near the city that is like that. Like they Anything had to like go, that. they had to go like you know forty five minutes out of the city Way to actually there. do that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, whatever. It's Hollywood. What do you guys? Yeah, for sure. Wait, like, yeah. Uh, anyway, so the, yeah, they're standing outside, and uh, 
This is where I think this is the first time it, it's dropped in the episode where, where Violet says, like, I'm going to give Eddie what he's wanted yep. since I was 13. Yep. Which is creepy. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Wait a minute. And how creepy is that? How old are they, like, to, together wise? Like, if she was 13, was he 13? I get this. Like, I get there may be like five, seven year age difference. Yeah. Okay. Never mind. Creepy as shit. Right? No. I, I yeah. I think there is a creep factor there because I think she's she's got to be like you know early to mid twenties, and I get the idea that you know that Eddie is probably early thirties even mm-hmm. maybe you know, um, yeah. I it, it's man for her to just go there you know what I mean right there yeah she's I mean it tells us a lot about who she is as a person it's like she'll she'll do anything in order to make this dream of the the blues club work yeah you know she got herself into a bad situation by taking this loan thought that things were going to turn around quicker than they did unfortunately they didn't now she's in this place where she's just like you know what if this is what I got to do this is what I got to do um, which raises the stakes incredibly for for Sam, you know, because not only now is he like doing it for Al, you know, it's like a, I, I was saying, yeah, from a from a plot standpoint, like it raises the stakes for Sam of like, yeah, like yeah, without a doubt. And then we get, you know, we get back to the club, and um, and and Violet comes out, and she's dressed to kill. Yes, yeah, she is. And Sherry Headley looks good. We talk about Sam when he looks good shirtless. I think that gives us the right to talk about the fact that Sherry Headley looks great in that dress. Um, that is the understatement of Sam. <laughs> <laughs> so, so she came out in that dress. Uh, let's just say my jaw hit the floor. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. Without a doubt, and she and she makes an impression on everyone. And Floyd probably has the best reaction. <laughs> because you can tell, like, the look on his face is like... Oh my God! Yeah. Like she is like she and, and 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 but it's but it's also in this sort of like I, like I don't know how to even describe the look because it's not threatening, it's not wolfish, it's not like Eddie or any of Eddie's crew. It's just it's more just sort of like that is a beautiful woman and I yeah. know her. Yeah, you know, like yeah. that's, that's sure. the kind yeah. of look you know that he gives it, and it's it's priceless. Um, and she comes out and she starts to you know work on Eddie, yeah. and Eddie, of course, is all about it, and then Sam, man, Sam just dives in between them, sure. and is like, uh-uh, you know, puts his arm between them, this is not happening, like, pushes Eddie back, um, and, and even, you know, tells, tells Eddie to stay away from her, yeah, um, because Grady has gone to get him yeah. this time, uh, and then at this point, you know, Eddie's like, all right, let's, let's rack him up, rack let's him play, up, yeah. and, and Sam is like, the markers due tomorrow. That's when we play. Play tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. Nice, nice stall tactic. Yeah. yeah. Or like, it reminded me of a western where they were just like high noon. Oh, like, yeah. Like, totally. <laughs> oh, yeah. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. I mean, this is this is. You could literally replace, you know, Chicago for like Deadwood and or, you know, pool for five card stud and the sure. pool cues for guns. Actually, you and, can do you this know, for a lot. You could do this for like a samurai movie. Kung Fu movie, totally. yeah. Jedi like movie. Yeah, right mm-hmm. Wow. Why not? This premise works a ton. Mm-hmm. It's universal. So uh, Sam has has belayed the the competition, uh, the, the the duel, the showdown, mm-hmm. one more night. Uh, and at, at that point, um, we skip forward a little bit in time, and we get a beautiful scene 
how could you not love this? Mm-hmm. Sam's trying to practice playing pool. Uh, Violet's at the piano. Sam goes over, sits down next to her, starts playing. They sing a song together. Scott Bakula's voice. Mm-hmm. Him playing the piano. Sherry Headley singing along. It's, it's a beautiful... Yeah. I love it. It's a nice little character moment in a song yeah. that you don't get a whole... And, and let's face it, if you're if you're writing or directing or producing Quantum Leap, any opportunity you get to have Scott Bakula sing, just take it. Yeah. Why not? Sure. Um, they still I don't I don't watch the show, but I think they they often take advantage of that on uh, NCIS. Oh, do they really? Yeah. Yeah. I do know. Yeah, like he plays in a band occasionally. On that. I have a confession to make. I have never intentionally watched an episode of any iteration of NCIS. <laughs> I have seen. Um, Bits and pieces. I've Wikipedia some stuff because I'm like, eh, will I be interested in this? Never seen it. Now I watched Jag. Sure. I loved Jag actually. Yeah. Um, all I, I think all of the NCIS they do this gimmick and I don't get it. It looks edgy at first glance, but they they start every new segment like coming back from a commercial break with a uh, three seconds of a black and white shot of what the last three seconds are going to be at the end of the segment. So you kind of you so you kind of see what how it's going to end. But there's nothing special about any of the shots. <laughs> there's just somebody looks dramatic, somebody looks surprised. Yeah. Something. There's nothing special about it, but it's this weird gimmick that they do. I don't know if they do it with all of them, but they at least do it with the original one. Unlike unlike Pool Hall Blues, which there are many wonderful shots in. Yes. And I'm not just talking about what happens in the pool. Pool shit, yes. Um, it, it is a beautifully shot episode. Uh, and, and again, we talked about in Goodnight, Dear Heart about how the show was sort of starting to push the ball forward as far as Quantum Leap was concerned. Like, they basically spent, <laughs> they basically spent the last, like, you know, 20-some episodes figuring out what they were, establishing that, doing it well for a good portion of that sure. time. And now I feel like they're starting to say, what else can we do? Mm-hmm. You know, in Goodnight, Dear Heart, for instance, the person that he's there to save is already dead. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of really cool stuff that happens in the in the you know the way that the episode is filmed and 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 some of the production values and the storytelling. And it's a mystery episode, unlike any other mystery episode they've done. Different, great, awesome. Invents some new stuff for the show. Uh, this episode does the same thing. Mm-hmm. The lighting is is very different. Um, you know. Uh, the sweat's not different. We got a lot of sweat and how the test was won. Um, <laughs> and so help me God. And so help God. me God. That's right. Oh, so help me God was a sweaty episode. Uh, but so, but there are some some really nice shots uh, in, in this episode. Uh, some wonderful shots that give us like high angles of the pool table, which provide us with really sort of dynamic, you know, moments with Sam and uh-huh. the way that he's moving and you know bits between him and Al. Um, yeah, there's a, like in this one. So Violet and Sam have have their moment. Uh, we have a sweet moment where Violet says, "If I live to be a hundred, you'll never cease to amaze me." She yeah. goes off to bed, and so uh, uh, Sam and Hal have this have this nice scene. And I was like, "That's a very that's a very beautiful moment." Yeah, that was, that was very that was very nice. And like watching that, I was like, I just like Dean Stockwell was working. Like like you could tell like he was thinking something as Al. There wasn't a whole lot written for Al to do in that moment, and so Dean Stockwell just made the best he could. Yeah. 
out of it there. Well, it's also like, at the end of Goodnight, Dear Heart. You know, he does this a couple of times, but like he's like, "That was very nice, Sam." Like he does it in Thou Shalt Not. He, he has that. He has those moments where he like kind of gives Sam a cookie, where it's like, it's like that was, that was, that was nice, nice, Sam. That was good. That was good. Yeah. yeah, for a socially awkward scientist, you're uh, you're doing pretty good. One of the shots that I want to mention too, that I think we just got uh, that, that I might have glossed over, is there's this really innovative again for Quantum Leap mirror shot where the mirror is oh, above. above. Yeah. yeah, and it's a really really cool shot. Um, and it's just yeah, it's one of those things where it's just sort of like I appreciate when they say we're a show, we can we can do what we want, we can mm-hmm. take some chances here, we can do some new things, we can try some new, new stuff out, mm-hmm. uh, and it's cool. They're 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 creating some really great great moments. Yeah. Oh, I also liked Al's outfit, but I hated his tie. <laughs> like, I was digging the entire outfit, but the tie did like this. It it looked like crab claws at the at the end. Oh my god. It was, it was a, go back and watch it. It was the strangest thing ever. Well, right. hey, most of his outfits are. Yeah. Uh, but in this following uh, scene, speaking of camera work, so like the, the Sam and Al are kind of standing stationary, but the yep. camera kind of follows yeah. them around and goes around them in this scene uh, before we get into talking about like the mechanics of the game of pool yeah. and how long it takes to get good at it. Right. Well, because because Al brings up geometry, right. and, and and Sam is like you know, immediately like angle of incidence is yeah. you know equal to the angle of re- return or whatever, and and so th- all of a sudden it's clicking, it's making sense uh-huh. and everything. And Al is like, "Great, great, you got that part figured out. Now all you need to do is figure out how hard to hit the ball." And Sam's like, "How long does that take?" He's like, "A lifetime." You know, yeah, it's like you're not going to say a lifetime. He said years, years, yeah. and. I don't know if you guys did this while you were watching it, but as I was watching it and he asked him, how long does it take to do that? I said out loud, years. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, it is a great point to, to make because you were talking about your grandfather. My grandfather actually helped to teach me how to play pool as well. Uh, it was both him and my dad because my grandfather was living with us at the time. And so sometimes before my dad would get home from work, I would go upstairs to play pool. My grandfather would sit down at the pool table and kind of coach me. And the biggest thing always was, is, yeah, I said, how, you know, you hit it too hard. You know, you didn't hit it hard enough. Yep. You know, just figuring that part out is it is. It's the it's the key, and it's all about muscle memory. And it's so difficult to learn. And it's something that you know I, I don't think I ever really learned all the way. You I know, never if did. I, if I had, I, I you know I'd be playing more pool to this day. Sure. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, they're, they're, then all of a sudden, um, you know, Al is trying to figure out how in the world he can help. Um, yeah, do I, thought, I thought like there's just a way I could draw it out for you. They have this eureka moment. Yeah, and it's great because yeah. it, again, it's event, it, it's inventive. We've never yeah. had Al use the hand link to do something like this before. Yeah, and and now all of a sudden he's using it to project an image on yeah. the pool table of how Sam needs to hit the ball. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden Sam's making balls, and it's like, oh, this is gonna work. This is gonna be great. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and 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 yeah, it's just it's a neat little gimmick, and it's just sort of like, oh, look at that! They're they're thinking, and, it, and it's a testament to the writers, you know, the idea that somebody's like saying like, what can we do with this? Sure. Doesn't you he know? also call him Pythagorean? Or oh, something? Pythagoras! Pythagoras! Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Pythagoras! We are going to shoot some pool. <laughs> yep. Uh, I think there's only like one of one of two times in the series where they 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 find a way to use the hand like to interact with the world mm. in an interesting. Way right, uh, and not to give to, there's a there's a future episode where they use it as a metal detector, yeah, uh, to find a to find a bullet in a wall, mm. yeah, yeah, uh, 
it's just, it's it's cool stuff. I mean, good for them again for for pushing it forward for not just getting locked into like this is what we do and this sure. is how we're going to do it. Because look, there's always going to be something formulaic about Quantum Leap. Sometimes it's going to buck that a little bit. Sometimes it's going to buck it a lot. But for the most part, yes. Mm. So anytime that they take you know this this new they risk or they innovate something, it's worth noting. Yeah. Um, so now we get into uh, the following the night. Pool. Here we yeah. go. It's the and this is, and, and to me, like it seems like this like this is the sequence that that won this episode of the yes. Emmy for. For cinematography, it's edited so well. It's it's uh, scored amazingly too. Uh, mm-hmm. It's shot beautifully. I mean, it's just so everything about this sequence, all the way to the very end, is 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 just so well put together. And even the final shot, not shot of the show, but the final pool shot, sure, not to skip ahead, is just so perfect. Mm-hmm. It's like a microcosm of the whole game, if you will. Sure, it's like, man, the way that they pulled everything together. Um, <clears throat> Yeah, and it just feels right, you know. It's like we were talking about earlier. It's like you can you can smell that room, you know. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you'd want to on a hot September Chicago night, <laughs> but you can. But you can, yeah. 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 Have you guys ever been into a dive bar before, and then you looked around and you were like, "Some fucking history happened here." Many times. <laughs> oh yeah, many times. That's how I felt looking at that. Yeah. Oh yeah, and well, and you know, to think of it having once been a pool hall and now being converted to this blues club, and that this is the only table that's going to be in there from now on. You know, it's not going to have a bunch of tables. It's, this is you know, Magic's table is the only table there's going to be. Um, and now here comes this final game to shoot for the bar. You know, yeah. like is it actually going to happen? Yeah. Um, I would just love it, like uh, to place. And I should have dived into more history of like where places like this were in Chicago in the 1950s. Just where are they in the city? Uh, well, there was one on Milwaukee, and I okay. think it's actually in The Color of Money, and it was actually a real pool hall that had gone out of business. And in in even in The Color of Money, when they when they shot the scene here in Chicago on Milwaukee, they go up, and Scorsese didn't told them not to change anything uh, because it was. Like a dump, uh-huh. and 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 it's it's kind of an embarrassing moment for Paul Newman's character because he keeps talking about you know building this place up, Chalkies, which wasn't the actual name of the club in Chicago; it was a different name. But um, but he keeps talking Chalkies up. They get there, and it's you know in complete disrepair and disuse; hasn't been open in years. And you know Tom Cruise and and, and uh, uh, Mary. Uh, Master Antonio, uh, you know, they start laughing and poking fun at him and everything. You can tell he's really dejected that, like, this memory of a pool hall is now gone. Um, there's also one that was just down the street from us uh, called Golden Q. It's no longer there anymore, unfortunately, that had been there for ages. The thing about Golden Q that was different from some of the other places, well, actually, a lot of them were this way, is they didn't have liquor license. Yeah. Uh, a couple places were BYOB. Um, but, yeah, they didn't serve alcohol. They were just they were just pool halls. You just went in and shoot pool. Um Mm-hmm. Golden Q, uh, fortunately, is going to reopen um, under a different name. I don't know what else they're doing to the place. Maybe is there one has. on like Montrose and Kimball? It's. I think it's before Kimball. It's. 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 It's literally right down the street from where we live. We could walk there. Is that the now one everybody listening to the podcast knows where I live. Um, <laughs> no, I don't care. Um, is that the one that has the sign that says our balls are smooth and our shafts are longer? No, it's our like, balls are clean and our soups, our shafts are smooth. That's what yeah. it is. <laughs> yeah, I like yours very that's the, that's the, Perfect. Yeah. Wow. So, uh, color money. Yeah, it was uh, Chris's billiards at forty six thirty seven North Milwaukee. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. 
Yeah. Like a steel trap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we get yeah. to the scene here. Uh, so uh, Eddie asks what, what, what his poison is. And, nine and I say ball. nine ball. Say, yeah, nine ball because that was, that was always uh, magic, uh, Magic's game. No, it wasn't. Nine, nine ball is a, they say nine ball is a lucky man's game. You, you, you take offense to this? I do take offense to this. Nine okay. ball, okay, look. Nine ball was, was, was probably created, invented, whatever, uh, had its first formal rules established probably somewhere in like the late 20s. So it's not anachronistic in any way. The truth of the matter is, in 1954 at a pool hall, if you walked in and played nine ball, you would have been laughed out the fucking door. That is true. You played 14-1 continuous rack or straight pool. That's it. They didn't play eight ball. They didn't play nine ball. Yeah. Those are games for TV because they're fast. You played 14-1 rack. A 14-1 rack is a game where you put all 15 balls in the rack to start off with. You play for points. Each ball's worth a point. You usually play to 100 points. Yeah. You break the balls. The object is to hit the balls. In, it doesn't matter. There's no sequence. You don't have to hit them in rotation. You just call your shot. And you keep shooting. You have to call your shot every time. You keep shooting, and then when there's one ball left on the table, you rack the other 14 balls in the rack. You leave the other ball outside the rack. And the object is is you have to make a ball off the break to keep shooting. Now, that's how Willie Moscone hit 526 balls in a row when he set that record, is that he was playing 14-1 rack. Because to do 240 balls in a row off of 9-ball... He'll be there for a century. Yeah. So, so the thing is, fourteen-one rack. It's like that was what you played back in the day, and and, and, and you you know, and you do a, a point a ball would equal a dollar a ball, or mm-hmm. you know, you go up from there. I mean, sure. If if it's a big stakes game, you might you might do a hundred dollars a ball. You know what I sure. mean? But the object was is that that, that you usually would play like a hundred points or two hundred points or something like that. And 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 for me. Thinking to myself that we've got this famous pool hustler in 1954 Chicago. He didn't play nine ball. He probably would have looked down his nose at the game of nine ball. And I thought the exact same thing. <laughs> when they said nine ball, I was, okay, this is a testament to how good this episode is. Yeah. When they said nine ball, I was like, what? Yeah. All right, fine. We'll go with that. Right. right no, yeah. <laughs> yes. That is true. That is true. But the other thing about nine ball is that makes it a lucky man's game as opposed to any sort sure. of skill is that you don't have to pocket all of the balls to win the game. Right. All you have to do is hit your object ball to drive the nine ball into a pocket, and you win. Yeah. Now, so to clarify to listeners who, who have never played the game before, the thing is, like, the cue ball has to hit the lowest number ball on the table first. Right, because it's shot in rotation, which means you shoot one, two, three, four, five, four, six, five, seven, eight, yeah. nine. And then if you, if, you, if, you, if you can hit the one ball and, and hit it off the nine and get the nine ball in, you win. Right. Game's over. Yeah. And you don't have to call it. Yeah. You don't have to call your shot. This isn't like eight ball where you call the eight ball at the end. Yeah. You know, it, 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 it's not a called shot game, which is why, again, it's a lucky man's game. So it just, it kind of struck me as being like, eh. Yeah. <laughs> so buy that. So like, why, why do you feel like they chose nine ball for this episode? Because the color of money came out three years earlier and it was super popular and nine ball was a game that everybody played on TV. And it just looks cool. That's it. Yeah. It looks cooler than... I mean, to this the, day, if you the tune in, it looks cooler than the triangle. You're right. Yeah, you're right. It is visually, it's more appealing. But yeah, I mean, to this day, you turn it on ESPN two and you watch a you know a billiard tournament or something. They're probably playing nine ball. Um, okay. Because again, in nine ball, it's fast. Yeah. So the thing is, is like you could play because of the way that nine ball goes, you could play five games of nine ball in an hour. Yeah. Whereas with straight pool, you know, you're playing to hundred points mm-hmm. and. You might not. You might not get to a hundred points. You, you could be playing a game for three hours. That's right. Yeah. 
I think probably uh, not, especially if you've got two really good pool players. But uh, yeah, but yeah, to go back to the the Twilight Zone episode, I'm pretty. I, they're either playing straight pool or they're playing fourteen one. Yeah, they play. Well, it's the same game. They just yeah. have two different names for. It. Oh, okay, got yeah, it. Okay, yeah, yeah, got yeah. it. Okay, they, yeah. that is what they play in straight. That's what they play in uh, uh, a game of pool in yeah. Twilight Zone. And that's the thing what is, they like, play they, in the are, they yeah, they. Uh, I'm going to say like the the Twilight Zone episode is that they were able to make that interesting. Mm-hmm. And shoot it in an interesting well, way. And even and even in the color of money, uh, it gets played a couple of times because Fast Eddie, Paul Newman's character, even remarks on a couple of occasions about how Nine Ball is a banger's game. It's not you know it's not a game of finesse. It's not a game of skill. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 so kind of looks down his nose at it. Now, of course, by the end of the movie, he's playing Nine Ball too because he's in the tournament that everybody else is in. But you know, he he even he, at one point he ta- he tells uh, Tom Cruise's character, he's like Nine Ball's not pool. You know, so. <laughs> I don't know. I like Nine Ball. I don't know. Yeah, I was nine about ball. to say, I love playing Nine I Ball. Just, I, just, I just don't think that that would be Magic's game. Like, they, I, wouldn't, I, they wouldn't wager the bar over that. That's just the thing. Like, yeah. I just don't see it. It's too easy to win it. But all that aside, I agree with Chris. Mm-hmm. I, 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 at that point, I'm like, ah, oh, whatever, let's just yeah, sure. <laughs> I'm uh, in. Yeah, this is, this is a beautifully shot yeah, sequence yeah, it and, is. and all the shots. Uh, we even get a rare moment of a close-up of the hand link, where if you wanted to, you could pause it and actually discern the buttons on it. Yeah. Nice. Uh, I didn't do that. Hand link 2.0. This view. close-up. When I was a kid. Yeah. I'm not saying that I, that I didn't. That I didn't. Did you guys also notice that, like, his table had like a silk, a silk cover on it. Yeah, and like it was like they revealed a brand new car or something mm-hmm. that they were just modeling. Well, it's like Grady in particular is a wonderful example of the reverence, not only for magic but for Alberta, for the table, for the lamp. You know what I mean? Sure. For, yeah. For 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 Floyd, it's it's like this is like. This is like a temple. Do you know what I mean? Yes, yeah. exactly. Well, kind of, and he's the announcer. Yeah, <laughs> it, it makes you wonder, like, what he thought of, of Violet turning it into a blues club. Like, he has such reverence for the place. Yeah, I think as long as they kept that one table, Keep because if you table. notice that yeah. one table, it was centered around like stands. Mm-hmm. It actually it looked like a stadium. Right. Yeah. Like, it was centered around. And quibbles about nine ball aside, they had those beautiful old high top chairs that, that, oh, that were yeah. in all the pool halls that had the little curves where you could rest your pool cue. I don't know if you guys mm-hmm. noticed that. Yep. Those, so they used to make chairs like that in pool halls oh, that yeah. had like a little curve on it so you just slip your... Because the thing is, is like pool cues, the shafts in particular, and the reason why smooth shafts over golden cue is such a big thing is because shafts are really delicate. And if you, and, and, you know, it, I mean, they, you tap up against anything, it's got a dent in it. And once it's got that dent in it... It's ruined. It's, yeah. yeah. Um, and so, you know, but but... but if you put it in that nice little curve there, it keeps the cue safe. It's like it's like oh, that's great. And you could even see behind, which is another thing about fourteen one, right? You could even see the point sliders where they it almost look like a sure. an abacus, yep. you know. And um, you could see those behind, which they use to slide the points out of. It's like ah, oh, it just feels right, you know. It's again those production values, you know. Mm-hmm. They really like. Also, Alberta was beautiful, yeah, right, yeah, mm-hmm. and her case was beat up. Yeah. Did you guys notice? Oh, yeah. So that case was well-traveled. Yeah. But that pool cue was fucking Excalibur. Yes. Like, I swear to God, when they took it out, 
all I could hear was angels singing. <laughs> yeah, right. I know. I know, man. And 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 you know, and that's the thing too is like a a, a good pool cue and a pool cue with like history behind it. It is. It's like it, it, it's like a knight's sword. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like you take care of that thing. You. I mean, my dad had a few, and 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 I got to play with a couple of them. Um, and 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 uh, I can't remember the name of the one now. Um, but he had a few McDermott's, which are which are which are pretty high end. Uh, and then he had an old, uh, I had an Italian sounding name. I wish I could remember the name of it, but I used I, to love that cue. The only thing so I can much. compare them to are guitars. It would yeah, be like, mm-hmm. perfect. BB yes. King. Yep. It would be like if you went to go see BB King's Lucille. Yeah. And you would just be like, oh my god, he play. Look at how beautiful this. Guitar is yeah. played by a master. Oh my god! And they really are, they, you know, in the pool cues too. They really are works of art too, mm-hmm. because like in the barrel, like the, the the you know a lot of times the inlays and the designs that are done on those are so you know. And even at one point, I mean, Floyd's talking about like you know the 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 black ebony and yeah, the, right. the pearl inlays and all that sort of stuff. And that's the other thing too. They aren't cheap. No. <laughs> yeah. no I mean, I mean, some of these things are thousands of dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, but but it's all about the weight, you know. And, and twenty one ounces, by the way, is pretty heavy for a pool cue. Wow. Um, and and so yeah, the weight, the balance. The I, I mean, it's it's yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's like a guitar player's guitar, you yeah. know, a knight's sword. It's a uh, you know, gunfighter's gun. It's right. you know, that's, that's they came to do business that's with. Fucking, yeah. it's, it's Wyatt Earp's peacemaker. That's it's, right. Yeah. yeah. Um, what you came with. So, so yeah, so uh, uh, they start the games off, uh, and they lag for the break, uh, and Sam ends up winning the lag, mm-hmm. and uh, time to, to get down to business. Um, and, and, and the wonderful thing is that they decided to do, which had to have been conscious, is that Sam, Magic, is shooting a finesse game. A game where you never have... And this is, in my opinion humble opinion this is the way to play pool you never ever have to make a trick shot that's right if you ever have to make a trick shot either you got stymied by the other player or you ain't nearly as good as you think you are that's right because as my dad used to say when you're shooting pool you're thinking four shots ahead you're not thinking about the ball you're about to make you're thinking about the ball you're about to make four shots from now Mm -hmm. and that's why it's the geometry game Eddie, on the other hand, every shot we see him make is a trick shot. Mm-hmm. And it's just sort of like, I get it. And it's a great generational thing, too, because you got a lot of older pool players, even to this day, who are very much about, you know, finesse of the game. You get a lot of younger guys out in pool halls, you see them making all, you know, trying to make all these sure. trick shots, trying to pull all the English in, pride of, and it's just like, so it's a really cool thing. And that's not to say that Sam doesn't have a couple bank shots here or there, or something like that. But it's not, he's not all about making like the masses and you know, stuff like that. Sure. So it's really, it, it, it's kind of a cool dynamic to see that yeah. and the way that they play out the pool game. Mm-hmm. Some really sweet shots though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there were a couple of oohs and ahs. Well, yeah, because like at one point Sam drops a nine on a break, you know, and yeah. this is sort of like. It's the very first one. Yeah, I think yeah. you're right. Yeah, it's the very, very first one. Um, uh, and, and of course, you know, Al's helping him out with, with Ziggy and, mm-hmm. uh, with the hand link rather. And, uh, and, and, and so things are going on, moving along just fine. We're getting, again, the passage of time is, 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 is done quite nice through the, the cuts and the edits. We're getting the points, you know, who's winning sure. the games, the tally. Here's a little something extra. Did you notice that there was gambling going on around them? Yeah. That's where the real people take it out. That's right. Right. Cause you know, if, if I was there. And if I was a regular, 
I'm hustling everybody that's never been there before. Yeah. I'm saying, uh, you see that old man right there? I bet he can make this shot, that shot, this shot. That right. Shot, yeah. That well, and that's a good point to make, too, because it's not necessarily just about the game right. for a lot of the onlookers. It can literally be about a specific shot. Yeah. It can literally be about Magic's going to pocket four balls before he gets the nine. You know, it can be those sure. types of side bets like you do in, you know, in any other sport, mm-hmm. basketball. It's yeah. like, you well, know, even what's even this He's going to let that guy pocket three before he teaches him a lesson and pockets four to win the game. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. He's going to he's gonna make that ball off of three rails. Uh-huh. You know? So, yeah. Um, and so as things go on, we're getting the tally. And the truth is, is even with the handling's help, um, Eddie's still winning some games. Yes, it's sure. not like this is a done deal. Yeah. Uh, so you got the stakes are still there, the tension is still there, uh, and then of course things start to go a little caca. Yeah. <laughs> the Hanley craps out because the Pentagon is usurping their power, and Alex Crack they're all planning their vacations, and so he decides to see what he can, what extra he can tap out, yep. and so they take a break. Yes, and so so Sam has to start to stall, mm-hmm. um, and 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 at first there's like no breaks, and then he's like, "Give him the break." Yeah, you know, he leans over to Let his, cool his, yeah. his, his uh, which is hilarious because on IMDb the character is credited as the brush <laughs> because it's it's Eddie's goon who like brushes his jacket oh. off. Oh. Like so so he's called the brush anyway. Um, at this point, he's like, "Why are you allowed to do this?" And Eddie's like, "Because maybe he'll cool off a little bit, and you know, I, last thing yeah. I need is for him to stay hot." So Sam leaves. Floyd is taking care of Alberta, mm-hmm. and that's when Eddie, you know, tells the brush that it's something to be done about that. Mm-hmm. So the brush yeah. immediately thinks that he's going to go kick Magic's ass. Yeah, like Jesus. Yeah, goon. yeah. yeah chill out. Dude. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, instead, of course, you know, he's like going to take out the pool cue. What is King Arthur without his Excalibur? That's such a great line. Yeah. You know what to come back to that? Steel King. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? Because what's about to happen? He takes Floyd outside. Floyd immediately, you know, tries to fight back, and it's it is it's kind of a heartbreaking scene because it's like Floyd comes out, he's limping, he's got Alberta in his hand, he's thinking that you know magic's out there, and all of a sudden the brush. Well, he, then he, he 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 takes him out because like he tells him like, oh, magic wanted you out in the alley, yeah. and then he follows him out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, ah, uh, it's, it's a classic. Scene. It's, it's That's ah, uh, yeah, and the way that Floyd like is fighting, you know, like, trying everything he can to hold on to this pool cue. And and when Sam gets outside, you know, to confront the guy, like, Floyd is so sad. You know, he's like, don't worry about me. He's got Alberta. You yeah. Know? It's just like, there's, again, Teddy Wilson is heartbreaking at yeah. times uh-huh. in this role, you yeah. know? And again, he tells, the, the amazing thing that he does in this, and it kind of reminds me, and and, and 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 it's just where my brain went, but it kind of reminds me of a good August Wilson play, and a, and by that I don't mean the writing, I mean when you see it done well on stage, is that you've got all of these actors, and it's just there's something about this particular episode that reminds me a little bit of August Wilson. Um, you've you know you've got these characters who have a life that they've lived, and you know it in the first scene, mm-hmm. and sometimes you don't find everything out in the course of his plays, but you just know that there's been a life that they've led. And Floyd's a perfect example of that. And Teddy mm-hmm. Wilson does such a great job with that. You know, it's like, there's there's a story there. And yeah. he tells you that story without having to have anything else. Yeah. And he has so many, we haven't touched on, he has so many great one-liners yeah. throughout the episode right. of like, and he's saying, like, I thought I told you to shut up. Well, saying ain't doing it. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know, things like that. Yeah. Yeah. He says something before, he says something before they start playing nine ball. 
but I forgot what it was, and it was so clever that I had to rewind it, but I forgot what it was. I'm sorry, guys. I'm no, it's all right. I'm going to go to IMDb, check out some of the quotes, see if we can't find some of this stuff. Um, but while this is happening um, outside, and, and, you know, of course, the brush has the cue, and he has that shitty line. Not shitty as in a bad line, but shitty as in, like, he's just being a shit. He looks at Sam, and he's like, she breaks in the middle, right? And it's like, oh, and he, you know, and he ends up breaking Alberta over his, over his knee and, and Floyd just cries out like in yeah. agony. And then Sam gets, well, then, but then, but then the brush has a line, oh, I should have unscrewed it first. Yeah. Oh, you motherfucker. And then he, he, he throws the, the pieces at, at Sam and he can see the fight in Sam's eyes. And as he's walking by, he, uh, I can't, you know, he doesn't shoulder check him like he actually like a hand in his yeah. chest and like don't even think about it old man yeah and then Sam kicks his ass yeah <laughs> <laughs> great thing is is Floyd is like look at him like what the hell and, and Sam just has the most beautiful understated reading of the line of he shouldn't have done that to Alberta Burn up. yeah <laughs> yeah uh, man you know how we always say that there are moments in Quantum Leap where we want to see um, the mirror as yeah. the, person, as the yeah. mirror image I want to see that old man oh, kick God. that guy Buck's ass right. so bad. Because oh, yeah. when he breaks Alberta, to me, it's like watching a jealous girlfriend key your Lamborghini, man. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you can do whatever you want to me, but not the car. Yeah, I mean, it's even, I like, in some ways, it's I, I would even go beyond that. Like, it's, 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 it's. It's devastating, yeah. and I think that you know it's even more devastating to Floyd, which in a way is wonderful because it also gives us a clue into how Magic might have reacted. Mm-hmm. You know, because for Sam, he doesn't have the attachment. You know, I mean, yeah, he's been shooting pool with this thing, but it's not sure. like he's like he's not sitting there being like, "Oh, Alberta." You know, he he gets it as as an insult. He gets it as this being this, you know, this bad thing. But but Floyd's reaction really sells it in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, when they get back inside, uh, it's hilarious, of course, because the brush is, like, bloody and, yeah. like, you know. Uh, and then Floyd ends up getting a pool cue. Cue, yeah. Well, the Bathsheba. thing is, before that, <laughs> before that yeah. Eddie, Eddie uh, teases Sam and said, did you have an accident? And, oh, yeah. And Sam replies, no, but your boy did. Yeah. <laughs> that's a classic lie. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Um, and that's, yeah, he tells Grady to find him another stick, and then yeah. Grady brings him a stick and tells him that uh, the stick is called Bathsheba. Bathsheba. Uh, first, my no Alberta, but it's pretty like, good. That's fucking biblical. Yeah. It? <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. And then, uh, I know you guys looked it up. Uh, no, I didn't, actually. <laughs> you know, it's, it's one of those, it's, it's take, like, it, it's, stab uh, at it. Uh, but he continues. Bathsheba was the wife of... He continues to stall the game. Somebody. Uh, because Al's not there yet, so he's, he's he's like trying to get used to the queue, and everybody's trying to make excuses for him. But of course, like at this point, Eddie's had it, and Eddie's like, "Come on, old man, let's play." Um, Bathsheba, according to the Hebrew Bible, was Mother the wife Solomon? of Uriah the yeah. Hittite, and later of David, king of the United Kingdom of Israel and Judah, making her queen consort of Israel. She is most known for the Bible story in which she was summoned by King David, who had seen her bathing and lusted after her. 
Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and, and she can sink a nine ball. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> In more ways no, you, more. You're right. Mother of Solomon, who's hey. succeeding king. Uh, David is king, making mm-hmm. her the queen mother. Ah, all yeah. those times my mom forced me to go to church finally fucking paid off. There we go. You're she's, welcome. She's in the, the, the book of uh, Samuel. So mm. there you have it. All right. Um, and so the game resumes, such as it is. Sam yep. thinks he's going to have to, to do the go show. Alone. because Yeah, because Al hasn't showed up. He's getting ready to take a shot, and boom, the beam. The beam reappears. God. Uh, he starts... Al says he's only got two minutes of power. Yeah, two minutes of power. Maybe count. Yeah, let's get on it. And he sinks uh, the nine ball right away, so he made it count, you know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, now it's tied up at six games apiece, and now it's time for the final game. Because yeah. it was the first to seven. Um, and we get this we get this sort of obvious line from Al where he's like, you know, okay, you want to, you know, you want to hit it smooth and but hit it hard, got to make a couple of balls on the break here. And it's like, yeah. yeah yes. <laughs> Thank you, Captain Obvious. Yeah. yeah. Which he, he does, Sam does end up doing, he makes a couple of balls so he can keep the run going. Um, and uh, at this point, you know, he runs the table. Yeah. Um, but as he does so, when he pockets the, the eight ball, he ends up, Snookering himself, himself, which means that the so the the way that the rails on a pool table work is that they there's to sharp points, and so the pockets are at an angle. Mm-hmm. So it's possible to actually get the ball behind the rail at sure. a pocket. And the nine ball was in the corner just down the rail, so he couldn't shoot down the rail at the nine for the easy shot, yeah. which sets up this difficult bank shot where he's got to run like one, two, three, three rails, right? Yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm. he's got to run three rails in order to hit that nine ball in. It's funny because in some ways, like Chris was saying earlier, it's a classic shot, and you were saying it earlier too, it's a classic shot that everybody tries on a pool table. Sure. It's, it's just one of those shots that everybody tries to do. Um, so as you know, they set up the hand link, the hand link dies, so yeah. he's got to take it on his own. Um, yeah. Which to me, I, I kind of take, not emerge is the right word, uh, it, it's overly set up like, Sam has a photographic memory. Right. The beam was set up long enough yeah. Yeah. for him to get it. And like, all right, I got it. Well, you know, and, and part of that, I, I, I will just say that there's, yes, but that confidence is taken away from him too, that safety net. Like yeah. now he's really got to do it. Yeah. Because um, that's the other thing too, is it's like, I don't feel like we ever get Sam showing off the fact that he's got this photographic memory. Do you know what I mean? Sure. Like yeah. I think it's always something that Al sort of reinforces. Re- reminds him. Yeah. This. So so it's interesting to kind of see you know the confidence, the safety you know net, the, his 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 blanket Fine. get taken away from him. Um, but there's, we there's a question I have for you guys, right? Yeah. Before he takes the shot, like, and all pool players do this when they watch uh, movies or shows with uh, pool in it. What's the shot that you take in your mind? What is the shot you're taking? Because the shot that they're taking is not the shot that I'm taking. So we have the the we have the nine ball here. Yep. And we have the cue ball here. Yeah. Right? I'm hitting it with English, letting it ride that rail and pocketing that. I mean the thing is, is like that to me, that shot is even harder than the shot that they set up. Sure, yeah, because because it's true, because and not as ex- not as exciting to shoot. Well, yeah, that's true. That's, yeah. that's, that's <laughs> yeah. it? because this is the beautiful thing about the way that it's shot. Because it takes the three rails to get there. 
from the time Sam like pulls back on it and strikes the cue, we get shots of like everybody's face yeah. around as the ball travels those rails in mm-hmm. slow motion. And again, it's scored perfectly. Mm-hmm. It's shot perfectly. And, you know, he ends up dropping the nine ball and wins the game. I, you know, I think for me, and I, I, I wouldn't make it, but for me, I probably would have tried the shot that Sam tries. And the reason why is because, again, just to, man, to make a, to make a, an English shot like that without having any, you know, anything to, to care him off of. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think I'd have to go for the rails. Um, so much real estate, though. I would miss that shot. Oh, times. I think it's, it's like, a lot like, of green. Yeah, because like <laughs> me and my friends, we used to practice it on my friend's pool table. And I feel like I can make that shot. One out of five, one out of six times. Yeah. Now you put money on it, put my granddaughter's uh, blues club on the line. Who knows? Right, but, right, right. Yeah. No, I, yeah, I know. I mean, I, yeah, I don't, hell, I don't know if I could make it today, like I said. I mean, I, I used to, when I was in high school, I used to be able to make that shot, you know, yeah. probably more than 50% of the time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we, we, we get a look at everyone's face. I love, I don't know if this is ever used in the opening credits anywhere, but like the, the shot of Sam and Al at the corner. Like as they yeah. as they yes. watch the yeah. ball go in and look at each other, I feel like at some point in, at some point in time that's going to be used in the opening credits. Yeah, so. I, I yeah, I think you might be right. Um, and then uh, of course after after he makes it, um, Violet of course asks for the marker, but yeah. it's, you know, well Sam kind of like like looks at her like yeah go, yeah right. Yeah. Um, and then uh, at this point. Um, she tells Eddie never to come back in here Rips again. Rips the marker up, yeah. Yeah, and then uh, and Eddie actually, like, lunges at her. I mean, actually, yeah, he drops, drops, calls her a bitch. Yeah, he does. Like, look, bitch, I'll come in here yeah. whenever I, and that's when yeah. Sam steps in. And, 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 yeah, and Sam steps in and is immediately just like, you know, hey. Mm-hmm. Um, now, uh, the other thing I noticed is when he did that, Everybody in the pool hall stopped and stared at him. Yeah, because we don't tolerate so take your loss like a man. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So I bet if he would have like hit her, everybody in that pool hall would have jumped. Over. Oh yeah, everybody. yeah. No, he wasn't. Yeah, he wasn't getting out of there alive. No, would have actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, and 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 so at this point, you know, Violet looks at him. She's like, "Pappy, you know." Uh, but you'll never, yeah, you'll never cease to. And, and Sam starts to finish it, and as Sam starts to finish it, he leaps out. Yeah, uh, and he leaps into probably one of the most terrifying instances that Physically we have yet terrifying. seen. Yeah, <laughs> where he is on a trapeze, like upside yep. down, swinging back and forth, and it's terrifying for two reasons: one, because he's on the trapeze, and two, because all of a sudden he's got to catch somebody. Yep. And three, I'm afraid of heights, so it's... <laughs> sure. Oh, yeah. It's great. Yeah. Um, which Sam's not necessarily fond of heights either. I mean, during Disco Inferno, for instance, that's he right. doesn't want to be up there in the building. But, yeah, so uh, that's the leap out, and, and we've come to the end of uh, Pool Hall Blues. Yeah. So far, my favorite episode that i watched. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's up there, man. It's, it's a really, really good one. Um, you know, I think that there might be stronger episodes just as in, like... I just lost everything. What do you mean? Uh, yeah. Right. Uh, whereas this is just this is a good story. It's entertaining. Um, it's fun. The characters yeah. are memorable. Like if I was starting somebody off with Quantum Leap, I would start them with this episode as opposed to So Heavy God that has like a heavy kind sure. of thing. 
with this, I'd say, watch this and tell me what you think. And I guarantee you 99 out of 100 people mm-hmm. would be like, that's fucking awesome. Well, it's funny you should say that because there was, yeah, yeah, this was my, yeah, cause my thing was, because uh, we talked about before, like we talked like the last half of Color of Truth. Then a couple weeks later, we caught like the last five minutes of how the test was won. Uh, and then like this was like the first like full episode yeah. that I caught yeah. and then, the, intentionally. And then, yeah, I was hooked on the show. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it, and, and, and I would I would agree, Chris. I think it is it's it's a great example of of what the show is. Whereas I think sometimes episodes like Color of Truth or So Help Me God, uh, Thou Shalt Not, even Good Night, Dear Heart, are examples of what the show can be. Yes, and mm-hmm. so I, I and so it's it's interesting when you try to get really into it and say like where would I place this in my rankings? It's like would I necessarily put it in my top ten? I don't know, but would I point to it as one of the stronger episodes of the show and as a great example? of what the show is totally it's a great episode for sure yeah but when you're putting together your top then do you worry about like what are the like the most uh, iconic episodes as far as their ambition and the topics they tried to tackle mm-hmm. or episodes that are just they're simply enjoyable they are very well done yeah. acted shot like this one and it's like uh, I may sit you down and have you watch Color Truth, MIA, or whatever, and you'll think it's a good hour of television. It may not hook you on the series. Sure. Whereas I feel like this episode might hook you on the series. I always, you know, I always think of it in terms of the X Files, and the reason why I say that is, is because um, going back to when the show was even still on the air, uh, the first time, it's still, it's still technically on the air right <laughs> now. Right? Yeah. Uh, but but when it was on the air for the first time, uh, I, I mean, I think like maybe even like four seasons in. Uh, I mean, the internet was obviously behind it, and so it was easy to go online and read stuff um, about it. That top ten lists even then were being created for the show, and even at that time they were being separated between top ten myth arc episodes sure. and top ten monster of the week episodes. Got it. And so I think in my mind I would do kind of a similar thing with Quantum Leap. And whereas yeah. this would be like, you know, a, and I don't mean this in a pejorative sort of way, but this would be like a top 10 formula episode. Sure. Whereas Goodnight Dear Heart might be a top 10, you know, I can't really call it arc or whatever, but mm-hmm. top 10 like message episode. Sure. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or something like that, or, or artsy episode or something. And then maybe you put the two together and you figure out which ones, you know, stand out above the rest. Because sure. I do, I think that there's, there's enough of a difference to warrant it's the reason why I have issues with top ten lists in general. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like it, it, they're fun. They can be a lot of. I fun. I mean, they're, they're but fun, but ultimately they're they're there for clickbait. Yeah, they're there to get people to your website. They're to get they're there to get people angry That's when right. you didn't include that one episode. Right, right. Well, Bob Dylan. Okay, so Bob Dylan is a great example. I see a lot of uh, top ten lists of Bob Dylan songs, or you know, top hundred lists, or whatever Bob Dylan songs. And and inevitably, you know, you can get into that home stretch, and you can start to find a lot of the same songs or whatever, but. Almost always, somebody's going to throw in, like, curveball here or there. Or sure. And one of the lists I remember reading at one time had, like, Blind Willie McTell on it. And Blind Willie McTell is arguably one of his greatest songs ever. It has never been officially released on an album. It's been on the Bootleg series, but he's and he's played it live a few times, but he never put it on an actual album. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was recorded for uh, the Infidels album in the early 80s, um, but it didn't make the cut. God knows why. Um, because it is one of his greatest songs. The thing is, is because it's not on, you know, one of his great albums or whatever, not a lot of people know it. And because not a lot of people, even fans, don't necessarily know the song, it's like, do you really do you really put that on a list of his greatest songs? Yes. You know, or do... 
Well, yeah, I agree. <laughs> I completely agree. But it's like even like um, you know uh, when Radiohead's last album came out, like there were a bunch of top ten Radiohead you know songs things out, and it's sort of like. Do you go for the songs that got all the airplay? Do you put Creep on there? Do you put Fake Plastic Trees on there? Or do you go for the songs that didn't necessarily get a lot of that? Do you go for the songs that not a lot of people know? Do you go for, do you go for a mix of both? Do you go? So I think it's the same thing when you're doing like a top ten list for Quantum Leap. It's just sort of like, look, it's going to be arbitrary. Mm-hmm. My mind could change. It's like somebody asking me what my favorite movie is. Some days I might say Goodfellas. Some days I might say Casablanca. Some days I might say Seven Samurai. Some days I might just look at it and be like, I can't fucking answer that. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so so it's a, it's just one of those things where, I, I, you know, it is. It's so arbitrary that, that who knows. Um, but if you're putting together criteria, there is definitely criteria that this episode would go on that list. Sure. Would it just generally go on that list? I don't know. Why am I talking about it? I don't know. I don't know. I asked the question. I should shut <laughs> up. Yeah. <laughs> Alright. So yeah, this was a good episode. Right? Yeah, damn good episode. And now we get into we just got four episodes left of the season. We do right? indeed. Being without a net. Yep. Maybe baby. Yep. Sea Bride. Sea Bride. M I A. M I A. Oh yeah. So uh it, you know, if people probably haven't noticed by now, uh we're all about the journey and it has been so much fun, but I would be lying if I didn't admit to being, you know, chomping at the bit to get to MIA, mm-hmm. Leap Home Part 1, Part 2, yeah, uh, and doing those three episodes. Uh, it's going to be it's gonna be a good time. Yeah. Good oh. time. Maybe we should do a collective with all the guests of the podcast on it. Oh, man. That'd that would awesome. be, It'd be... Try to get you and Claire on, on here today to, to join up for a couple of episodes, oh. but she wasn't able to make it. Yeah. yeah. Well, definitely, I, I would love to pad it out for those episodes. Give a shout-out to Lawrence Brown real quick. Lawrence... Thank you so much for supporting us and stuff. Uh, he's a friend of mine from Indianapolis that we met actually uh, doing Shakespeare in the Park. And he moved up to Chicago a few years ago. Um, and he's got a, um, uh, a blog and Twitter account. Um, he's a UK expat, now a US citizen here in Chicago. Um, and uh, just all around great guy. Um, but we're going to have him on the show sooner rather than later hopefully and uh being that we both lived in indiana for a time we might get him in for leap home part one we'll for sure we can do. Spe- speaking of shout outs this is a huge tangent maybe you'll edit this out maybe you won't do you know who kevin lambert is yeah i know who kevin lambert is. okay he's a guy who i'm helping buy a place right now no way yeah that's great yeah because uh the, the first time we went out we started talking about the podcast and he was like i I was in a show with Sam, yeah. but I don't think he remembers Liz me. Estrada, I totally remember him. Oh, okay, I've seen I, him. I've seen him a few times out, and I said hi to him once, and uh, and I and maybe he didn't hear me, or maybe he didn't recognize me. I don't sure. know what the case was, but then because he didn't say anything back, the next time I saw him, actually at I think it was at. Uh, the Shark Show, uh, Matawan. Matawan. I saw him at Matawan, yeah. and uh, and I was going to say something to him, but I was like, ah, I don't know if he remembers me or not, so I'm just not going to say anything. Ah, uh, okay. it's one of those weird things that happens from time to time. I think For we're sure. Facebook friends still. Oh, okay. I don't know. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. We talk. Yeah, we'll have him on the episode uh, at some point, or have him on the show at some point. But if, if you're looking for, uh, yeah, we should definitely have him on. That'd be great. Yeah. Uh, we could. He and I could share some stories. We had to. Uh, Ah, fuck it. This, this podcast ain't, ain't, ain't for kitties. Uh, we were in a production of Lysistrata, which is a classic uh, Greek play about when the women decide to withhold sex from the men in order to get them to declare peace, uh, ceasefire, because they've been at war for years and years and years. Sure. Why does Spike um, Lee's name come up when I hear yeah, something like that? I, I don't know. He did a movie that was set in Chicago that was a play on that. I can't remember. That's right. I can't remember what the name of the movie was. Was it? Okay. Yeah. Chirac. Okay. Oh, yeah. 
Fuck you for doing that, Spike Lee. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so that'll uh, be the quote of the episode. <laughs> so uh, through the course of the episode, in order or the episode through the course of the play, uh, in order to depict our growing yearnings and our sure. our constant denial of sex, um, we were wearing these utility kilts, um, and so we ended up wearing um, dildos underneath the utility kilts. So we had these these tents in our kilts, to say the least. Ah, okay. Um, and uh, at one point, Kevin actually did a quite memorable dick in the box routine. Nice. Uh, it was very funny. He's very he's a very funny guy. He is. Um, yes. Yeah. But going back real quick to Lawrence, I want to mention uh, Lawrence has a Twitter account, Lost in the Pond US. Mm-hmm. Very funny. Check it out. Uh, cool. Of course, thanks to all of our commenters and listeners. Rosen, we haven't forgot about you comment on everything we love it thank you so much um but yeah we were just rambling on here now talking about random stuff but i'm gonna leave it all in because by this time you either like us or you don't uh uh, uh, big ups to loyola ramblers for making it to the final four speaking of ramblers that's right loyola uh has made it to the final four for the first time in 55 years and you know what? Speaking, we talked about race a little bit earlier. Why not let's mention this, that when Loyola went to the championship game, which they would win in 1963, um, their team captain was uh, black. Nice. And there was actually an NCAA rule at the time that t- uh, you could not have two teams with uh, uh, black captains or, or have two, more than two members of your team be black. Um, and, and Loyola not only, you know, had, but they had a black team member who was their captain and there's actually a very famous picture of him walking out to the middle of the court to shake hands with the white team captain of the Georgia team. It was, it was a Southern team, which would have said even more. Yeah, yeah, exactly. In 1963. And, and, and it literally actually gets brought up, uh, in context of the civil rights movement. So yeah, interesting little side note there. But hey, congrats to Loyola. Yeah. Let's see what you can do if you can make it to the championship game. Let's see so. what happens. Um, but I think we've exhausted ourselves. Yeah. Dennis yeah. needs to get out of here. He's got a oh, wife yeah. and a kid, you know? Yeah. Um, so thank you all so much for listening. Chris, thank you so much for joining us, man. In time, man. Really appreciate yeah. it. We'll, we'll, always we'll be back next week. With uh, leaping me in without a net. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed what you've heard or have any questions or comments, don't be shy. Reach out to us online at fwwquantumleappod.com or Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at Fates Wide Wheel. And remember to hit the subscribe button and leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you may be listening. Until next time. Close.